Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Leah, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, April 22nd, 2013, and today we're reading from the big book. You're going to find us in Chapter 1, Bill's Story, Page 1, beginning with War Fever Ran High. Today's readers are Penny E., Fran, Judy B., and Melanie, and the share ID number for yesterday's meeting, Step 11 panel, is 4334 for Sunday, April 21st, 4334. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now call on Lois to read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. This is Lois, recovered in Massachusetts, recovered compulsive overeater. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove these, all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, Made a, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Nine. Uh, ten, I'm sorry. Continued to take personal inventory of ourselves and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Thank you, and I will pass. Thank you. I will now call on Meg to read the 12 traditions. Thanks, Leah. Good morning, my name is Meg O, and I am a grateful compulsive overeater in Vermont. The 12 Traditions. One, 
Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. 2. For our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. 3. The only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. 4. Each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. 5. Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. 6. An OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. 7. Every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. 8. Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. 9. OA, as such, ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks, and I pass. Thank you, Meg. How our meeting works, our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book. We are in Chapter 1, Bill's Story, Page 1, the very first paragraph, and I will ask Penny E. to begin reading, please. Thank you, Leah. Good morning, everybody. My name is Penny E. from South Jersey, a recovered compulsive overeater. War fever, this is Bill's story. 
War fever ran high in the New England town to which we knew young officers from Plattsburgh were assigned. And we were flattened, flattered when the first citizens took us to their homes, making us feel her- heroic. Here was love, applause, war moments sublime, with intervals hilarious. I was part of life at last, and in the midst of the excitement, I discovered liquor. I found the strong warnings and the prejudices of my people concerning drink. I forgot the strong warnings and the prejudices of my people concerning drink. In time, we sailed over there. I was very lonely and again turned to alcohol. We landed in England. I visited Westchester Cathedral. Much moved, I wandered outside. My attention was caught by a doggerel on an old tombstone. Here lies a Hampshire grenadier who caught his death, drinking cold, small beer. A good soldier is near forgot whether he dieth by musket or by pot. Ominous warning, which I failed to heed. Wow. Again, Penny E., recovered compulsive overeater. Uh, this is Bill's really auto, autobiography. You know, he's, he's writing his story. He's telling us what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. You know, we can't get any, any more of a, a, a more impressive or a believable t- person to 12-step us than Bill W., right? Um, he, he, he talks about, you know, how exciting he was. He was a hero, you know. Here was love, applause, war moments, sublime with intervals of hilarious. He was part of life at last. He was having a wonderful time. Absolutely no desire. Absolutely no desire to stop drinking. Uh, we don't see here anything about the third tradition. The only requirement for, um, for, the only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. None here. He's having a great time. Who among us is going to want to go through all that we have to go through to get sober, to get abstinent, if there's no desire? It says, in time, we sailed for over there. He was very lonely and again turned to alcohol. So here's like a little bit of a, a foreshadowing, so to speak. You know, he was having some feelings of loneliness and again turned to liquor, which a lot of people do, not necessarily making them an a, uh, alcoholic. Um, but then he says, um, he read this doggerel, this doggerel on a, on a, um, uh, Hampshire grenadier's grave. And it says, here lies a Hampshire grenadier who caught his death, drinking cold beer. A good soldier is near forgot whether he dieth by musket or by pot. And pot is alcohol, anything having to do with uh, drinking excessively, something like that. And again, an ominous warning, a major warning. He's seeing this, the, the, uh, the foreshadowing, you know, like in, in Jaws when, when the uh, shark is, is getting ready and it goes boom, 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 boom. You know, I can hear that music, ominous warning, which I failed to heed. He had no desire. Of course he's not going to heed it. You know, there's, there's no sense in uh, trying to think that he's going to put down the, the alcohol. So uh, I'm grateful. I'm grateful to hear the beginning of this, and I'm grateful. I'm looking forward to the rest of it, to hear what he does, how the progression of the disease gets him into the ground. So thanks, everybody, for letting me share. Have a God-filled day. Good morning. This is Sonia, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Sonia. Good morning. Go ahead. 
you know, this um, this paragraph beyond uh, the ominous warnings, which I'm sure this soldier that was buried under this gravestone probably got from their family or friends or people that were seeing the red flags for them. Um, it, it also just reminds me that this is an age-old problem, that prior to 1939, uh, prior to Bill and Bob meeting, there were people dying of alcoholism, you know, throughout the 1800s when this soldier died um, and thousands of years before there were people dying of alcoholism and there was no solution except for a bright time about a hundred years before when a group called the Washingtonians um, had some forward movement with sobriety. But this, this paragraph also reminds me of the traditions and how important it is we stick to the traditions because what the Washingtonians didn't have was a focus on a primary purpose. And that's why we focus on our primary purpose, um, you know, recovering from compulsive overeating because they had a solution for alcoholism that was working for over 100,000 people, but they decided to save the world with other things. So again, this paragraph just reminds me that it's an age-old problem and this solution is such a divinely inspired program that has stuck the test of time and, and became a basis and a core foundation for our OA program only because people tended to the traditions and, and what was read at the beginning of the meeting that our, our steps and our traditions also hold us together. And it's so crucial because it's it's a miracle that, you know, that we're on this line this morning connecting with each other and connecting with a solution. Thank you. Thank you, Sonia. Anyone else like to comment on what was read? This is Kim. Kim, go ahead. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. And it's so exciting when we start a new chapter. So we're beginning to build stories. So what have we learned? What did we learn in the doctor's opinion? We learned that we have a twofold illness. We have this allergy of the body that makes us a distinct entity. When we pick up certain substances, certain binge foods, it creates a phenomenon of craving and our body demands that we have more and more. But even more difficult is we have this obsession of the mind that even when we have that willpower to put down the food, our mind is going to tell us to go back to the food. So what does that look like? What does that twofold disease look like? And this is what Bill's story is going to be. This Bill's story is the living breathing example of what our disease is. And the story is 16 pages. Now, one through eight is going to be that progression into the illness. It's going to be about the problem. And then nine through 12 is going to be about him finding the solution. It's going to be about step two. And then in pages 13 and 14, you're going to see the rest of the steps. So this is so essential that we see and we identify him. We forget he's a stockbroker. We forget he's a World War I hero. We look at how can we plug in our story? How can we see ourselves and see this living, breathing example of that twofold illness? And are we just like Bill in 2013? So what I see here, I was a, I was a part of life at last and in the midst of the excitement I discovered liquor. A part of it was that my experience. I plug that in. Absolutely. Birthday party and then cake. 
Thanksgiving meant turkey. Christmas meant Aunt Sally's apple pie. In the midst of all the excitement, in the midst of all the fun of life, I discovered the excitement of liquor, of food. But you notice by the end of the paragraph, I was very lonely. And again, I turned to alcohol. So alcohol immediately was having more um, importance in his life. It helped him to celebrate when he was a part of life at last, and it helped companion him when he was lonely. So can we plug in our story? You know, I was in Virginia this weekend visiting my cousins, and I haven't seen them in about six years. And when my aunt opened the pantry, I had to laugh because I saw them on one shelf Pop-Tarts. And as much as I love my cousins, as much as I look forward to going to Virginia when I was a child, absolutely, that was a big part. I can get Pop-Tarts because my mom didn't let me have Pop-Tarts. That was the excitement of going down and seeing the, seeing the Virginian breaks. Not just that I was seeing my cousins, but I got to have Pop-Tarts. But on the other side, when I was lonely, I remember in college, and I would be scared to go back to school, and I would get up in the middle of the night, and I would go downstairs, and I'd eat bowls and bowls of cereal, bowls and bowls of cereal, because I was very lonely again, and I turned to alcohol. So that's what we're going to be looking for. Can we plug our story in 2013 and not get caught up in the details of a stockbroker, male, who's from the World War One? Can we identify in? Absolutely. I was a part of life at last and in the midst of the excitement of discovered liquor. I was very lonely, and again, I turned to alcohol. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Anyone else like to comment on what was read? This is Paula. May I share? Yes, Paula, go ahead. Thank you, Leah. You know, it's strange as we're reading this and we're looking at it, who thinks of war like this? I mean, war is a terrible, terrible, destructive thing. But look at, look at what he's saying. Wow, boy, were we happy. We were flattered. Citizens took us into their home, making us feel heroic. Here was love, applause, war. Moments sublime with interval hilarious. I was part of life at last. It didn't matter that it was called war. He was part of life. He didn't care. Boy, there it is. And then, as Kim said, liquor came on the scene. And what does he do? I forgot the strong warnings. So then he was given warnings. He kind of knew that, well, you know, but not for me. Oof, that line sounds very familiar to me. Not for me. And then we go down to, and I'm going to scoot right down to that last line that was read by Penny. Ominous warnings, which I failed to heed. He saw it. Kind of like the writing was on the wall, but only here it was on the tombstone. You would think even more effective. But no, I failed to heed. Because see, you see, it doesn't apply to me. It doesn't apply to me. It applies to you. That's what he wanted to believe. It wasn't going to happen to me. Thank you for allowing me to share. With that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Indeed, we're beginning Bill's story. And, of course, you know, we know that the big book was penned in 1939 um, because, uh, you know, they wanted to write down these instructions uh, out of the 
out of the bondage, how to how to be freed from the chains of alcoholism. Um, and obviously, Bill, who was recovered, uh, wouldn't be able to make one-on-one visits uh, to some guy in California and a lady in Alaska and someone else in Maine and someone else in Texas. The big book would have to do the job. The big book would have to do the job of a 12-step call. It'd have to be complete enough. Um, so that's the value of Bill's story is it's a 12-step call. It is, a, it is a, an opportunity, as was previously mentioned, for a still-suffering alcoholic to identify in. Now, we've already gone through the doctor's opinion. That was first up. But now they're putting in a story to show an example and to allow um, some identification and of course, Bill's story also is inspiring. It's a message of hope, uh, as we'll experience through its pages. As Kim mentioned, you know, we don't have to get fixated on the details that he's a broker, he's a lawyer, he's a man, you know, uh, from a certain part of the country. If if we carefully look at Bill's story as we study the pages, you know. Do you think and feel like an alcoholic thinks and feels? I know I did. You know, I know I relate to this. I was a part of life at last, and in the midst of the excitement, I discovered liquor. Um, You know, Bill had his first drink. Um, He, you know, there was a sensation that he experienced um, when he put that drink to his lips. Uh, You know, he had his first drink. This was the first. This is the first time that Bill's out in society. He found himself marooned in a, in a sea of uh, fear and ineptitude, and, um, you know, he, he discovered liquor. He had this drink. Um, and, uh, of course, he returns to that. I was very lonely and, again, turned to alcohol. He's developing a relationship with alcohol, uh, just like I developed a relationship with food. Normal people don't have relationships with inanimate objects. I had a relationship with food. I turned to food as if it was a, you know, a soulmate, a, an old friend, a confidant, a, a lover. So, you know, am I going to uh, allow myself to identify into the the thinking and the feeling of an alcoholic, whereas it's first it's fun. It starts off fun. Uh, we'll see the progression of the illness. Uh, we will be we will see you know how it becomes more more serious through its pages. This is going to be a frightening, a vivid, and a very very detailed account of one alcoholic, uh, Bill Wilson's descent into the madness of alcoholism. Can I identify in? The answer for me was absolutely. And with that, I pass. Anyone else like to comment on these paragraphs before we move on? This is Sharon. Sharon, go ahead. This is Good Janice. morning. And then Janice. Sharon and Janice, please. Go ahead. Good, good morning. This is Sharon, a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Leah. Ominous warning which I failed to heed. I've read this over and over again, and it just always struck me. Was that a warning? I I didn't necessarily hear it as a warning. So why was Bill saying this was a reading, this dog roll was a warning? What what, um, 
what this says to me is that when he read it, he felt something. When he read it, he thought about himself. He recognized even early on in his drinking career, before it got messy, that he needed to stop, that he had a problem with alcohol. He recognized it very, very early on, and he associated it with something, a power greater than himself that could see his problem, that was warning him, that cared about him enough to send him a warning, but he ignored it. And later on, uh, we read in the, as we go further, we will find that the bottom was raised. At first, it was thought that recovery was only for the last graspers, for those who had reached a bottom that everyone could see. Later, they began to realize that recovery could come. The bottom was raised. Now, here, the bottom was very, very high. He had not lost anything. He had an opportunity right then to stop, to recognize, I have a problem with alcohol. I cannot drink it at all. He had the opportunity. And that we see, here we see the spiritual part of the program being introduced right from the very first page. This is a spiritual program. There is, well, I mean, the, the spiritual aspect of the program, that there is this power that is there, that is present with us, that is loving and, and, and that is wanting our very best. And Bill had that presence with him. He had that power there, but did not recognize it. Later, we'll see the bottom is raised. Later, we'll hear about intuitively knowing how to handle situations that used to baffle us. But we are not there yet. But for any of us who is who has who's maybe just picking up the phone out of curiosity, having this feeling that they may have a problem, you don't have to go to the very bottom to get recovery. You can get recovery just, you can start on this program of recovery just by having an inkling. That is that ominous warning. Just by having a feeling that I may be one of them. Maybe. So take that seriously. Take that ominous warning seriously. You do not have to lose years of your life before you begin the program of recovery. You can just have a feeling that you may be a compulsive overeater. That feeling is the ominous warning that Bill talks about here. He failed to heed it. You don't have to. You don't have to. You can start today. With that, I pass. Thank you, Sharon. Janice, please. Good morning. 
Good morning, Leah. Good morning, Vision, for you. My name is Janice. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. You know, somehow this morning as we're as we're beginning Bill's story, I couldn't help but think to myself, what if I were someone who had never read this book before? What if I were someone who had never see, seen this story and I was seeing it for the first time? Now, obviously, when you pick up the book Alcoholics Anonymous, you, you're not reading it because you're looking for a good piece of fiction, you know, because you don't have anything on your bookshelf that you haven't read for a while. You know, if, if you're picking up this book, you're picking it up, obviously, perhaps for a reason. Maybe it's been recommended to you. I like to think about that. What did people see when they opened this book for the very first time? And now they've read the doctor's opinion and now they're reading Bill's story. You know, and he says, I was part of life at last. You know, and I think that's very significant for me because I remember I remember hearing a wonderful AA speaker who talked about, every time he spoke, he talked about there were all the other people in the world and then there was him. And somehow he felt separated. He felt different then. You know, and here Bill was enlisting and going into the military and and there's excitement there and there's all these young men together and he feels part of life at last, part of something bigger than himself. But it could carry over. You know, he found himself lonely again, surrounded by all these people and still felt lonely. You know, in a in a different country across the ocean. You know, and that, that was me. I remember having that feeling. You know, there were all these other people and then there was me. And and sometimes food could help with that in the beginning. In the beginning. But it didn't last. You know, it didn't last that feeling. And so once again, when I was lonely I turned to the food. You know, and I think Bill is setting us up here to relate, to identify if you're anything like he was. So if you're reading this story for the first time, you know, he gives us all kinds of wonderful ways to identify in. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Anyone else before we move on to the next paragraph? Okay, I'll take that as a no. Good morning, Fran. Wayne. This is Fran. Good morning. Uh, good morning. This is Fran, compulsive overeater. Deborah. Hello? Go ahead, Fran. Okay. 22 and a veteran of foreign wars, I went home at last. I fancied myself a leader, for had not the men of my battery given me a special token of appreciation? My talent for leadership. I imagined, would place me at the head of vast enterprises which I would manage with the utmost assurance. I took a night work course and obtained employment and investigated for a surety company. The drive for success was on. I'd proved to the world I was important. <clears throat> Excuse me. My work took me about Wall Street, and little by little, I became interested in the market. Many people lost money, but some became very rich. Why not I? I studied economics and business as well as law. Potential alcoholic that I was, I nearly failed my law class. At one of the finals, I was too drunk to think or write. 
Though my drinking was not yet continuous, it disturbed my wife. We had long talks when I would still her forebodings by telling her that men of genius conceived their best projects when drunk, that the most majestic constructions of philosophic, philosophic thought was so derived. Um, what I see here is a lot of self-will run riot and grandiosity and um, easing God out, ego, easing God out. Um, and uh, I, I just uh, I know that that's what I have to work with on a daily basis is to uh, counteract that with my higher power. And uh, this is uh, something else, how uh, we can let ourselves get on top and not look to God. Um, and I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Fran. Anyone else like to comment on what was read? Star one to unmute. It's Monica. Go ahead, Monica. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And the first paragraph there that was that was read, 22 and a veteran of foreign wars, I went home at last. I fancied myself a leader. I imagined myself a leader. For had not the men of my battery given me a special token of appreciation, my talent for leadership, I imagined, would place me at the head of vast enterprises which I would manage with the utmost assurance here. Um, I was just rereading this, and I'm thinking, I, 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 me, me, me. You know, he is just really full of himself here, you know. Me, myself, and I mentality type of thinking going on here. Um, and then... Um, you know, and he, then he talks about taking, going to school and almost failing a course because he was so drunk. Uh, and then he goes on to say about telling his wife, and I always laugh at this, it's like, I steal her forebodings by telling her that men of genius conceive their best projects when drunk. Who was he fooling, you know? Just being in denial and 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 lying here, and obviously, like like Fran said, definitely self will run riot. Self will is what it's me, 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 myself, and I, and it's not thinking about anything else. So here already, his wife is seeing that he has a problem. He doesn't see it yet, but she's now. There's some warnings going on here, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Monica. Anyone else like to comment on what was read? This is Judy. Judy, go ahead. Thank you. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, Vision, to you. This is Judy, compulsive reader recovered. And what I so identify with is um, in college, I would, well, I convinced myself and others that I needed food to help me study. I needed my binge foods. I needed to go to the vending machine and just get something to give me energy give me brain food, which it was not brain food. It was a, uh, a sedation, um, a sedentary. And and I remember having 8 o'clock classes, and I would just 
drag myself there and still be affected by my uh, food intake the night before. And um, three times I almost failed out of college, but I still didn't think I was that bad. So the start of rationalization is here and, you know, giving excuses and reasons why I needed to do it. And um, I so identify in with this. Thank you. Thank you so much. Anyone else like to comment on what was read? This is Mark, a grateful recovering compulsive reader in New York. Yes, good morning. Welcome. Good morning. Um, you know, I love this section because it reminds me that it takes what it takes in these programs. I've been in OA for, oh, probably 10 years. And I fluctuated weight off and on. You know, I've, I've, I've always gone to meetings. I've done phone meetings. I've gone to face-to-face meetings. But I, I couldn't, I, I just couldn't get it together. Well, a year ago, I almost died. I had an aneurysm in my midsection, and um, um, I was in the hospital for 93 days at one point, and I couldn't walk, I couldn't think, I still have cognitive problems, but it took that to get me serious about my recovery. I tried, even in OA, I tried all kinds of things, but it wasn't until, you know, my higher power took me through what it took me through that... I got serious about my recovery. And not just about, I mean, I work the steps, I have a sponsor, but it's showing up every day the best that I can be, getting rid of fears, getting rid of the things that block me from others and from a higher power. And uh, so today, I am so grateful to be in OA and to have support like this in these meetings. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you so much. This is Leah. Uh, recovered compulsive overeater. I too wanted to comment on a couple things here. Um, you know, ominous warning, which I failed to heed. Uh, again, you know, stating that our problems are our, of our own making. You know, we are the creators of the crisis. We bring this pain on ourselves. It says here, my talent for leadership I imagined would place me at the head of vast enterprises, which I would manage with the utmost assurance. As Bill tells his story, he's, um, you know, painting a picture of this this puffed ego, this grandiosity, this uh, faulty dependence that he had on himself. He had a self-centered existence. He relied on self. Um, and that self is is the issue, as we'll, we will learn through the big book's pages, that this problem of self, which is masquerading here as, as his pride and his vanity. Um, and he's got this um, tremendous uh, drive for success. I mean, he is a highly intelligent, a brilliant man, obviously, very, very driven, unfortunately, um, those inner demons are going to drive him to the point of self-destruction. And, you know, as we read here, when he was in that cathedral, he had a feeling of God. 
he had a feeling, some sort of connection with a presence of God. He had been moved when he wandered outside and when he was caught by that uh, dog roll, you know, at the th- cathedral. Um, you know, but it says later in his story from page 12, um, the real significance of my experience in the cathedral burst upon me for a brief moment. I had needed and wanted God. There had been a humble willingness to have him with me. This is the bottom of page 12. And he came. So he had that feeling of God in that experience. But soon the sense of his presence had been blotted out by worldly clamors, mostly those within myself. So again, this... um self-sufficiency, this grandiosity, this desire. He always wanted to be somebody, and he always wanted to feel like something, and he always aspired to be equal to other people, yet he so desperately needed to feel superior, and we'll see that. You know, we see that as we turn the page here um, to page two, Uh, He said, you know, my work took me about Wall Street, and little by little I became interested in the market. Many people lost money, but some became rich. Why not I? You know, again, kind of beating his chest that he can conquer whatever gets in his way. He is God. Essentially, he is God. He He has snuffed out. Uh, you know, any sense of, of other presence in his life, a higher power in his life, and instead has replaced himself. And, of course, you know, comes with that tremendous, when he starts talking about, you know, that men of genius conceived their best projects when drunk, that the most majestic constructions of philosophical thought were so derived. Here comes those wonderful tools out of the alcoholic's toolkit, and the compulsive overeater has them as well. Justification, rationalization, avoidance, evading what's really going on, denying what's really going on, this tremendous illusion and delusion that we um, create around ourselves in order to justify our behavior, in order to justify being compulsive overeater. Compulsive overeater eating doesn't hurt anybody. It doesn't hurt my spouse. It doesn't hurt my children. Compulsive overeating isn't like alcoholism. It does not, you know, uh, create the destruction that alcoholics uh, madness creates. Compulsive overeating is something that helps me. It helps me calm down. It helps take the edge off. Uh, It helps me uh, feel more comfortable in my skin. I ain't hurting anybody. That's the rationalization and justification uh, for a compulsive overeater. And with that, I pass. Anyone else like to comment on these paragraphs? Hi, this is Sheila. May I share? Sheila, go ahead. Hi, good morning. This is Sheila, compulsive overeater from New York. Um, This spoke to me. I I see myself in this identification. Um, during my high school years, it was like I was the leader. That was the first time I came into all my leadership roles and the ego run riot. It was like um, everyone was coming to me. I was creating things, starting new programs, raising money from the school, competing in contests. I was felt like I was running the show in high school. It really, really did. And the ego went rampant. College, did a different, college was a different story. College was the first time when I started speaking comfort that I can remember in the food, consciously, I would say, consciously speaking for it, because I didn't have that same feeling, that same aura, that same ego rush 
that I had during my high school years, and it was a struggle. The work was a struggle. Um, pushing myself to, to graduate with honors just so I could have a little bit of that feeling, and yet very much remember my first job was on Wall Street. Boy, was I excited when I was working on Wall Street. I felt like I was in the midst of it all. It was such a rush to be working on Wall Street, working down there by the soccer teams. I could completely identify the excitement that Bill must have felt working down there in the pulse of the economy because I definitely identified with that. But it's short-lived, you know, and then we don't pay attention to the signs, and then the food kind of took over the obsession. But I definitely identified with the rush of feeling leadership, the rush of feeling the pulse of working on Wall Street. I identify with that completely that I have. Thank you. Would anyone else like to comment on what was read? This is Deborah. This is Janice. Deborah and then Janice, please. Hi, this is Deborah, compulsive reader from Naples, Florida. Um, I really like this paragraph because his ego and his grandiosity allowed him to deny what was happening in actuality while uh, focusing on what might happen in the future. And I think that that's so pertinent to what happens, um, what was happening to me before I became abstinent, which is that um, I was always denying what I was doing in the day, which was binging, um, using food to blot out my life, running away from everything, not allowing myself to feel anything, running my own show, being my own God. And I was always thinking about what was going to happen tomorrow, which was all the success with the diet, all the success that I would have with people, all the success that I would have in every single area of my life. But that was just a fantasy that I was having while I was ignoring what was happening in the now. You see here in this paragraph that he is saying um, he's he's kind of aware of the fact that he failed. He almost failed his law exams. He's aware of the fact that his wife is concerned for him, but he's not really aware because he's focusing on the rationalization of his behavior, and he's saying, um, I'm going to be a great success someday. So that's where his focus is on what might happen in the future, not what is happening in his life right at that moment. And with that, I will pass. Deborah, thank you. And Janice, please. Thank you, Maya. You know, here, here we're seeing a part of Bill once again. You know, we're following a course here in Bill's story. You know, the drive for success is on. I proved to the world I was important. I proved to the world that I was important. Because I think Bill is looking once again, maybe not realizing it completely yet, but looking for that sense of belonging looking to be a part of, you know, but feeling different than. But if he could prove something to the world, he could prove something to the world if he could be successful. You know, and realizing that he was having some difficulties but using all sorts of excuses as to why it was okay. It was okay to be that drunk, to hardly be able to pay up fast, um, pass his course. You know, and his life foreboding, you know, Lois was worried at this point, worried about their future, worried about what she could see happening, worried about what she could already see was a progression. But he tried to fill her worries with more reasons and excuses. And Bill was a big talker. He could convince a lot of people of a lot of things, as we'll see in his story. 
and he was he was very persuasive and charismatic and very smart man, very smart man. But that wasn't going to help him, just like it didn't help me. You know, I had to I had something to prove to the world too. I wanted that sense of belonging. I want other people. Other people have it. Why can't I? And sometimes we set about doing that, not being able to see what's right there in front of our faces, you know, and, and it was right there in front of Bill's face, but he had to ignore it because what else could he do? He was on a path. He was on a mission. He had, he had a path to follow here, and he was going to do it no matter what because he had something to prove to the world, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Hi, this, hi, this is Regina. Regina, go ahead. Yeah, I just um, want to comment on that sentence. I proved to the world I was important. And to me, he was so concerned about pleasing people, getting people's approval instead of God's approval, um, getting his um, affirmations from people and getting his uh, being affirmed by people rather than God. He had not turned to the point where he was, you know, looking at God and seeing all that he was and all that he had was from God and not from people. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you very much. Anyone else like to comment on these paragraphs? Okay, well then let's move on to the next paragraph with Judy B., please. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, everyone. This is Judy B., a recovered compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. By the time I had completed the course, I knew the law was not for me. The inviting maelstrom of Wall Street had me in its grip. Business and financial leaders were my heroes. Out of this alloy of drink and speculation, I commenced to forge the weapon that one day would turn in its flight like a boomerang and all but cut me to ribbons. Living modestly, my wife and I saved $1,000. It went into certain securities, then cheap and rather unpopular. I rightly imagined that they would someday have a great rise. I failed to persuade my broker friends to send me out looking over factories and managements but my wife and I decided to go anyway. I had developed a theory that most people lost money in stocks through ignorance of markets. I discovered many more reasons later on. And here's another paragraph where Bill is talking about um, how he was living and how he was thinking and uh, what was going on with him. And we can see that... uh, his speculation, his his desire for uh, things beyond what he was experiencing were very important to him. He, uh, he said business and financial leaders were his heroes. And he, he wanted to be rich. He wanted to have all the grandiosity that um, that kind of lifestyle would bring him. And yet, he was not living in reality of what was was happening each day, each moment. And he was depending on what he wanted, what he thought was important. And there was no sense of, um, at this time,
time a God in his life who might have better plans for him. And um, the, the sentence that really gets to me is, would turn in its flight like a boomerang and all but cut me to ribbons. And, and that, that reminds me of, of my disease and how, um, you know, I used food and then uh, it was a source of comfort and strength. And then all of a sudden, you know, it would turn on me and it would all but cut me to ribbons. In other words, I, it just, it, uh, it tore me in half. It, it, um, it blew up in my face. And uh, it gave me um, a problem that I just wasn't able to manage. I couldn't uh, figure out what to do about it. It it, uh, wasn't comforting anymore. It had blown up in my face. And um, I'm just grateful that we have this story to, uh, to look at and realize that there is an answer. There is a way out of this. crazy, irrational thinking, which is is what I participated in during my early years. I just, um, I did not see the reality of of each moment every day, and and I tried to to get away from it, tried to um, cover up those feelings of inadequacy, and and turn to food, and uh, just as Bill turned to alcohol. And uh, with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Kim. Kim, go ahead. Good morning, everyone, again. I think this is my favorite line in in, uh, Bill's story. It says, out of this alloy of drink and speculation, I commenced to forge a weapon that would one day turn its flight like a boomerang and all but cut me to ribbons. You know, alloy is a combination. So out of this combination of drink and speculation, speculation is business, it's money. That was where Bill's Heroes was, it said. That was what drove him. And this combination of the drink and the money and the business is he commenced. This is a self-imposed crisis. He commenced to forge the weapon that would one day turn in a slate. And that's, where can I plug my story in? What is my speculation? You know, for me, it was a sense of belonging. It was popularity. And this combination of food and popularity, you know, belonging at the birthday party with your kids, going to the movie and eating from the concession stand and laughing with girlfriends, you know, after a basketball game that we did well, going to the friendlies and getting ice cream sundaes together, going on a date and going to the nice restaurant. That combination of drink and belonging, food and, and popularity, that's how I commenced. It worked. It worked for a while. It was fun. It enhanced my experience. But as it began to walk in there, as he was, as he was talking, potential alcoholic that he was, potential compulsive overeater that I was, the focus became more on the food and not the belonging. The focus became more on the food rather than the popularity. So I commenced to force that weapon. And it came around like a boomerang, and it cut me to ribbons. Because I no longer 
had a popularity. I no longer had a sense of belonging because my only focus was on the food. My only companion was the food. I only felt normal when I was with the food. I just wanted to be alone with me and the food. But I think that I can get back to that time when it worked. That time when I could be at a birthday party and enjoy my friends and just have a slice of cake. When I could go to the fancy restaurant and enjoy an appetizer with a date. When I could go to the movie and just partake in some concession stands. Towards the end, I would go to the movie. I don't even know what movie it was, but I can tell you what food I bought at the concession stand. So that's I love that line. We have to recognize, yes, it worked for us. What is that combination that we had and that we commenced to forge that weapon? And now that's cut us to ribbons, we can't go back to that. We're unable to go back to that time when that combination of food and whatever brought us joy. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Kim? What, uh, anyone else? Girl, I would like to share. Yes, go ahead. I do. Hi, Sharona, Compulsive Overeater from Israel. Um, what I see here in uh, when Bill goes and does something against against the logic, against the advice of his friends that knew something on, in the market, and is gonna, he just knew it all. And I think also the Compulsive Overeater, he always knows it all. He knows better than everyone, better than, than any advice and experience of uh, well-experienced people in any field of life. And I feel that, uh, and I and I can see my, I can relate. I can see myself doing things and bringing myself to self-imposed crisis, uh, one one time over the other, and just not knowing what to do. And as some said here today, that using the food and getting comfort from the food, and then I don't know, maybe an hour later or a day later, you just it comes back to you on in your face, and you you don't know how to manage, and you don't know how you have no tools how to deal with life and life crisis. And with that, I pass. Thank you very much. Anyone else? Paula, go ahead. Thank you. This would be Paula, recovered compulsive reader. Boy, what a paragraph, you know. Uh, but we see here, Bill, uh, Wall Street had me in its grips. Now, he already dropped law. That was done. Yep, moving on now. Business and financial leaders were my heroes. He continues to move on. But then it says, out of this alloy, an alloy is a mixture of two things, of drink and speculation. There it was, the two things that always Bill was at drinking, and now speculation. I commence. And I love what was said because, yeah, it is. It was the I thing. I commence. Here he goes. I begin to forge the weapon. And I'll tell you, I just think that you're right. To see that actually enacted in his life, the weapon was being forged that one day would turn in its flight like a boomerang. He didn't see it then. He didn't see it then. A boomerang first goes out before it comes back, and then it gets you. But it goes out first. And like a boomerang and all, but cut me to ribbons. And there it is. Cut him to ribbons. But then he goes on, and with that, the story continues. Thank you for allowing me to share in this aspect of it. And with that, I do pass. 
Thank you so much. Yeah, uh, Paula, this is Leah. You, you know, you mentioned the eyes. I mean, as, as you look at this paragraph here and just read down, you know, by the time I had completed the course, I knew um, I commenced, you know, I saved, I rightly imagined, I failed to persuade, I decided, I developed, I discovered. Um, <laughs> you can see that he is his own God, you know. <laughs> um, he uh, has created a world around himself and his abilities, his capabilities, his strengths, his brilliancy, uh, which are all there, but there is no room for God. His basic flaw, you know, is, is dependence on self self-sufficiency he's depending on self for that feeling of security that feeling of well-being that feeling of happiness he's not he is not turning to anybody else in fact his friends suggest that you know might not be a great idea but he knows better he knows better and uh you know he's going to do it anyway he decides to go anyway so we've got some self-reliance we've got some self-sufficiency we've got some um some defiance and it makes for a nasty brew you know this ego and this vainglory uh that he has and this sense of pride has snuffed out any higher power in his life he has created uh himself to be god and uh, that's going to lead, of course, to a, a, a road of self-destruction. And with that, I pass. Anyone else with a quick comment before we close the meeting? Yes, Candace from Connecticut. Janice, go ahead. Um, while we were reading this, uh, I'm a compulsive overeater and new to this group. I looked up the word maelstrom, males, and I had no idea what it was. And it says, a powerful, often violent whirlpool sucking in objects within a given radius. I said, oh, my God, that's my disease right there. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you. And on that note, we will close the meeting for today. Thank you for all who shared this morning. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Melanie, will you please read a vision for you? Good morning. My name is Melanie. I'm a compulsive overeater from Oregon this morning. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answer will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the records of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Pass.